here's, here's, here's what I think. I think if you do what you do better, if you do what you do good, then increase comes on that, you know? Uh, stuff gets added to that. So we're not trying to, you know, make a really, really big church. And I know some people sitting here and you're going, oh, I only like a rise because it's small and when you get to this number, I'll be leaving to another church, in which case we'll be, still be that number beneath what you like, so come back. But, um, but it was just good to get that visual of that many people in this space. See, what I, what I love about numbers is what you can do with a critical mass. That's really what I, I like. And if I'm going to be with a group of 100... See, I'm the president of Balna Touch Association down the hill. We'll be having our grand finals on Wednesday night and I'll get up and do all the presentations and, and I'll be in a room with, uh, you know, 100 people, whatever. I, I uh, am involved in other sporting contexts and, and coach at different levels and things and I can find myself with big groups of people and we're all uh, there together for a purpose to, to win a competition or, or whatever. But if I'm going to be gathered together with a big group, I can't think of anything I would rather be gathered together with a big group than to be worshipping God and to be getting that message of what Jesus has done for us out there into the community. So when I look around, I saw 100 people. Of course, my, it's just the way my brain is wired. I, maybe I should be on medication for it. I don't know. But the way my brain is wired, I'm looking at 100 people and I'm going, Lord, what, what, what could we do in the community with that amount of people on board, putting in just a little bit of their time, a little bit of their energy, a little bit of their resource? What could we do? You know, all these wild dreams and imaginations and things we think, it, it is possible, you know, and sometimes, I don't know what, what you think, but, you know, we come to church and some days where, uh, last few months we've been averaging, you know, about 55 people, six, 55 to 60 people have been here. So it's great. More people are coming. The church is growing in the, in the sense of numbers. Um, but, you know, some days you come here and there might only be 30. I, I sometimes joke that we've got two churches and they alternate. One comes one week and the other comes the other week. We've got a few people that come every week, but some sort of alternate between weeks. If everybody came at once, maybe we wouldn't fill the place. I don't know. But, um, but imagine uh, what we could do in the community uh, in terms of getting outside the walls of this, this concrete building uh, and, and impacting people in the same way that our own lives have been impacted by this message of Jesus. So I was excited on Sunday night, and something has been coming across. As a minister's fraternal, we meet together, and we pray, and we talk, and so on. And we have, have prayer once a week in different places as well. Uh, combined prayer, anyone's welcome to attend those. Uh, I think if you jump on the Combined Churches of Lismore Facebook page, I think it might be at um, Centre Church maybe this Tuesday night. There's a prayer meeting this Tuesday afternoon, and uh, jump on there. Anyone's welcome to come. But there have been some themes coming across and people are getting quite excited at the moment about what they're feeling God is getting ready to do in our community, in our area. Now, if you've been around church long enough, you have heard that till the cows come home, haven't you? I mean, every church I've been to, the pastor stands up and goes, oh, God's spoken, we're going to have revival in here. You know, every community you go to, oh, God's doing his one big thing in this town, this is where it's happening, and, and, and you get over it. And, and I've got to be honest, I, I get this little bit of scepticism inside of me at times, and I go, ah, oh, shut up, you know? Jesus is coming back one day, let's just keep doing what we're meant to do until he comes back, all the other stuff's up to him. If he wants to, to cause a great revival to break out, let him do it, but I'm just going to keep on doing what I know I'm meant to do, uh, and in the midst of that, then if he wants to pour out revival, he'll do that. But I can't help but think that there is something in that. I, I do feel like that God is getting ready to do something in our community, and it's a good time to be alive, Amen. It's a good time to be connected up to God. It's a good time to be here. 
Uh, and I, 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 we, at the beginning of this year, just as a church, we were, we were sharing that we, we were feeling like God was saying for this year, be, be, be expectant that there were going to be invitations. God's going to begin to give us invitations and, 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 and invite us to join him on, a, on, on these journeys and join him in things that he's doing. And so I'm hearing these other words coming from other places and I'm, I'm putting them together and going, God, I really do. I feel in my spirit I'm getting excited. There's something coming our way. Again, we don't have to accept the invitation. You don't have to accept anything from God. You can reject it if you want to. Uh, He's a loving, gracious God. He invites us. He never forces us, never makes us do anything. He invites us to join him on what he's doing. So I'm excited. I'm saying all that to say this. I'm excited about where we are and and where we're heading and what God wants to do. Because again, I I have this type of personality and this vision, this picture in my spirit and we're where, where it's always further down the track. And so sometimes I need people to rein me in and go, it's okay, just be excited about where you are now because I'm always looking down here going, no, I'm excited about that. And sometimes I miss the great blessings of where we are right now. But I am excited about now and I'm excited about where we're heading. See, I was 19 when somebody told me about Jesus. And something happened at that moment in my life when I spoke to Casper the Friendly Ghost, as he could have been back then, something happened in that moment. Now, when I bowed my knee to Jesus, I was not 100% across the line, if I'm brutally honest. It wasn't like I was 100% in my heart convinced Jesus is real, God is real. In my head, I was going, this, make, this is starting to make sense. The more I hear about Jesus and I look at the story of Jesus and, and everything like that, it makes, and there was, but there was something inside of me that was bubbling around going, I think this could be right. I think this could actually be true. And that was enough for me to open my heart up and take that step of faith and go, Rightio, God, if you are there, take a hold of my life and do something. And it was when I opened up my heart to him and stepped through that little door of faith. It's a little bit like, um, anyone seen that movie, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, which one is it? And the, you know one where they look for the cup of Christ? Supposedly the cup of Christ. Which one was that one? Was that the first one? Indiana Jones freaks, the third one. Okay, well done, Indy. It's the third one. Now, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That's it, the Last Crusade. And so they go looking for the cup, what supposedly is the cup of Jesus. And, that, you know, Indiana Jones goes on his journey and there's the mazes and the shooting arrows and the big axes and all that stuff. And he, Indy's smart. He knows how to navigate his way through that stuff. He's really good. Indiana Jones is, is the bomb. So Indy makes it through and he gets to the end and there's this massive precipice and he looks down and there's nothing, blackness. That's how deep down it goes. Other side is this cave entrance and he can see in there all this gold and that's where the cup is. And right at the very end, after he's navigated his way through and he's learned a few things and he's got some stuff and he gets to this precipice, but he has to make a decision because there's no possible bridge, there's no way to get across this thing. And so he closes his eyes, it's a great scene, and he, he puts his hands out, I think if I remember correctly, by his side, puts a foot forward and he drops. Anyone seen that scene? And he just drops, and he drops kind of like from, the, say, this stair down. So you just see him go like that. And then all of a sudden, bang, he hits something. And he looks down, there's nothing there. He grabs some sand, throws the sand out, and here's this bridge. So he runs across the bridge, and he goes on in, and he finds what he had been searching for. And I feel like my, my journey with, uh, with God has kind of been like that. It's like I didn't see the bridge first. There's always that faith element, that point of having to step out first and then bang, everything sort of happens. So that was my journey. But what I found was when I came to God, my life is different now than it was back then. I can't explain all the ins and outs. I don't know how 
What? It's not that I am a great person or very intelligent or got great self-control. I go for the tigers. I've got no self-control. Um, you know, but somehow my life has been transformed and changed. And, and <laughs> the Apostle Paul wrote to the church that was existing in Rome at the time. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. And here's, here's a statement that the Apostle Paul made in Romans 1, 16. He said this, he said, For I am not ashamed. Everyone say, not ashamed. Not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. I am not ashamed... Of the good news, gospel means good news. That's all gospel means. The word gospel simply means good tidings, glad tidings, good news. He says, I'm not ashamed of the good news about Jesus Christ. The good news about Jesus Christ is very simple. (coughs) It's that the bad news is that none of us are good enough for God. The bad news is that when we all stand before him in our own efforts and merits, we are never going to be good enough. I don't care how much money you've given to charity or to a church, how many prayers you've prayed, how much you've studied the Bible, whether you've got a degree in theology, whether you were brought up in the church from this big and died in the church, whether you never swore, never smoked, never took drugs, I don't care what you did or did not do, the bad news is this, you will never, ever be clean enough and good enough for a perfect and holy God. I mean, if God is really the God of the Bible, he's got his stuff together. And you don't have your stuff together high enough to match his stuff togetherness. So his stuff togetherness is here, yours is here, we're not good enough. There's a space, there's a gap. And that's where grace comes in. So the bad news is this, none of us can stand before him in our own efforts. But the good news, here's what what Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Because the good news is this, that the punishment that you deserve because you fall short Jesus has made a deal and said, I'll take that upon myself so these people can be set free. That's good news. Sometimes we don't understand the good news because we don't really think about the bad news. We haven't understood the bad news yet. And sometimes we go out there in the world and we want to tell people about the good news of Jesus, but they don't see it as good news because they don't understand the bad news. And the bad news is without God, we, we all don't stand a chance. I'm not saying this. I'm saying that's what the Bible teaches me. I'm no better than anybody else. There I go, but for the grace of God upon my life. But his grace is sufficient. His grace is enough that when God looks at me, all my speckles and my dirt and all the rubbish in my life is washed clean. When the Father looks at me, he sees Jesus. He sees paid in full, stamped on the invoice, and he lets me go. That's that's the good news. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this good news of Jesus for salvation. It's the power of God. This message that we have is the power of God. It's not a message. The good news is not a message. The good news is the literal power of God to transform and change a human being from this to that. Now the change is not about being going from being a bad person to a good person. The change that Jesus talked about was about going from being dead to being alive. It's not about bad to good. It's about death to life. Because our spirits are dead when we're separated from God. Mankind didn't move until God breathed his spirit into them. Go back to Genesis. He breathed his spirit, his pneuma, his life, poof, breathed into them and mankind came alive. That was when man came alive. And then when mankind sinned, you know what, we still had blood and everything biologically going through our bodies, but the spirit of man was separated from God and the spirit of man died. Man was removed from the presence of God. Man was still biologically alive, but the spirit was dead. The spirit was dead. 
And the good news is that God, when, through, the, through the cross, through what Jesus has done, God is able to bring life back into our spirit. He's able to bring our spirit back to life. When Jesus went to Nicodemus, we all know John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, and whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Nicodemus is asking Jesus about this new life. And, and Jesus says, you must be born again. That's where we get the phrase, born again. Nicodemus is a smart man. So he comes back at him and he says to him, well, how can I go back inside my mother's womb? Come on. And Jesus says, I'm not talking about a natural biological birth. I'm talking about your spirit. Because your spirit's dead when it's not connected to the source of life, God. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of this message because it's not just a message. It's the actual power of God to transform a human life. We have this message, this story of Jesus. And it's not just like we are mailmen going out there in the world handing a letter going, oh, here you go, Pauline, that's for you. Where's the power in that? Sorry, Tim, I don't mean to say posties have no power. But imagine if you could walk up to that person and not just give them that letter, but you could, you could call to action everything that was in that letter. Imagine if you could walk up to them and, and, and the letter was from a doctor saying you've been uh, accepted in for an operation, but not only does the letter say you can have this operation, but I'm here right now to bring the healing that that operation is going to bring. I can give that to you now. Imagine that sort of power, realising that we're not just talking about a story, But Paul says this message has intrinsic power in it. The message of the cross carries the very power of God when we bring it out there into the community, when we bring it out into the lives of others. Think about your own life. Think about who you are now and who you were back then. That message has the power to transform your life. And that's what we have. We carry this. Now here's the thing. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. You know what happens when you're ashamed of something? You conceal it, don't you? You don't bring it out. You don't want anyone to know. We've all got those little little rooms, you know. We've all got mansions. Imagine your, your heart is a mansion, your life is a mansion. And how many of you have got rooms that you're not going to let anybody go into? If I come to your house today, you're not going to let me go in that room. Hands up. I'm the only one. Wow. Okay, there's three or four of us. I'm going to say that there's every one of us. Unless, of course, you are, you've made it. If you've made it, praise God, come pray for me afterwards. I'm still on the journey. Okay? We've all got those places that we conceal, those things that we keep hidden away. Okay? When you're ashamed of something, you don't, you, you, you don't open yourself up to it. You don't bring it out to the world. You don't let people see it. Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But you know what I think is happening in the Western world right now? I think there's a blanket of shame trying to be placed over the Christian church. There's a blanket of shame. Because somebody that called themselves a church leader, a pastor, a reverend, a father, whatever, has done the wrong thing with either people of the opposite sex or minors. And we feel that. It's like a body blow to us. It's like a body blow to us. Tele-evangelists or, or, or you know people that have taken the message of prosperity to an absolute extreme and they're avoiding taxes and they're, you know, I don't want to judge them, that's for God to do. But they get caught out with, with mismanaging financial affairs or ripping off people or whatever and, and we, it's a body blow and we feel it. And we kind of want to distance ourselves from this part of the church. 
And then we want to distance ourselves from this part of the church. And before you know it, we kind of end up going a little bit underground and we, we're in this place where there's almost like a blanket over us and we're at work or we're at school or wherever and the, the subject of faith comes up, Christianity comes up, Jesus comes up and we don't want to pop our head up out of the ground and proudly declare, you know what, I believe that story. It's transformed my life. We just kind of want to stay down because there's this blanket of shame. We don't want to be associated with all these other things. And I think it's a tool of the enemy right now. I really believe in the Western world. What's happening? We're being tricked into... It's almost... I got this picture the other day. You know, I never had laryngitis. You know, ever had laryngitis? Some people probably wish that other people had laryngitis at times, you know? It's where you can't talk. You've never had it. The whole time we've been married, my wife has never had laryngitis. And that's... She shows me every day. Look, look how good I am. I have no laryngitis. Look at this. I'm going to prove it for the next hour. All the husbands are too afraid to laugh. <laughs> it's power when we stick together. Um, I reckon it's almost like we're being tricked into, into, into thinking we've got laryngitis and we can't speak anymore. The truth is we don't have laryngitis. We're just going silent. There's a difference between not being able to speak and choosing not to speak. One's a sickness and one's a choice whether it be forced upon you externally, whatever. But one is a sickness, a genuine sickness. One is a choice. And I kind of feel like there's this thing in our Western society at the moment. You know what's amazing? (laughs) When you do surveys, they've done surveys here in Australia, and and here's the thing. A lot of parents will send their kids to Christian schools because they love the values. We want the values of this book. We want the value system that, that Jesus spoke about when he came. Equality for all. Um, you know, lifting up the oppressed. Uh, uh, respect. Love. Kindness. Goodness. We want all those things. And it's amazing that, that more and more people are wanting to send their children to religious-based schools as opposed to state schools because they're acknowledging we love the fruit of what's co- the, the values and stuff. That's we want that. You know, but we don't want to go to church, we, but we want our kids to go because we want our kids to hear what Jesus has to say because there's some good stuff that he taught. Jesus was a good man. He taught some good stuff, but we don't want to, to be a part of it. I find that interesting. I find that interesting. We don't want to be a part of those that speak about it. We don't want to be a part of the voice of the church, but I want, to, I want the values in the next generation. I, you know, It's weird. It's strange. I mean, my thinking is very black and white. Here's my thinking. If I was not a Christian, I wouldn't waste my time coming to church. I, I just wouldn't get it. Maybe if I was a bit hungry, but it's just me. I've always been an extreme person by nature. When, I was, when I'm with God, I'm all for it. I'm all into it. When I was not with God, I was definitely not with God. Okay? I, I was good. If I was going to sin, I'm going to be really good at it. And I'm going to go hard after it. I'm going to chase it to the nth degree and see if I can find the pot of gold at the end. And I did chase it as far as I could, and I found there was no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Matter of fact, when I got there, I realised it wasn't even a rainbow, just I had beer goggles on or something and I couldn't see properly. It wasn't even a rainbow. But thankfully, that was the place where I came across this message called the good news, the gospel, that has the power of God to transform the human heart and change a human life. I feel like, I feel like we need to be aware of this message of the cross, that it's not just a message. So here's the thing with news, right? How many of you know that bad news gets most of the publicity? 
You only got to pick up a newspaper. You only got to got to got to turn on the TV. You've only got to uh, go to uh, you know uh, whatever sort of media. It's the bad news that gets the most amount of hits, the most amount of likes, the most amount of listens. People and the media know that. That's why they feel the, the, the that's why the, the the first thing when the news comes on, there might be. I'll guarantee you go home, you watch the news this week, and you you put a good bad news when the highlights first come on. You know, at the start when they do the what do you call it the you know the quick and coming up tonight. You know, England try you know Great Britain and Brexit. Deal like when when they, th- when they summarise the headline headlines that's the word. Some, what didn't someone say headlines to me? I gave you plenty of chance. Help me here. Headlines when the headlines come out, you have a look at how many of those headlines. The first headline, whether it's a great news story later on towards the back end of the news, what do they do? And Rosemary was drowning, and her puppy dog dragged her out of the pool. And here's Rosemary hugging her dog and kissing. I love my dog. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my dog and my cat. And the cat's getting jealous in the background. Possum, it was a possum actually. <laughs> They'll squeeze the good news story in somewhere, just a little bit, but really, it's the bad news. That's what gets the ratings. That's, there's something in the human heart, that's what people sort of, you know, people love bad news. But then we tuck in a little bit of good news there too because we, we, we realise that there is still something in the human condition that wants to have a little bit of hope. I mean, if we just keep feeding bad news, bad news, bad news, we're all going to fall off the edge one day. So we just give a little bit of good news just to kind of keep people interested, you know? You know my concern at the moment with this gospel, this thing that is not a message or a story, it's the very power of God. But you know what my concern is with the good news right now in our culture and our society? Because of these issues of shame, because of the silencing of our voice? Here's the thing. What's meant to be good news is no longer really good news. And it's not really bad news, it's becoming different news. It's indifferent. It's whatever news. You know, you've got your serious news channels that show you the real news. You know, ABC News or SBS News, whatever, serious news channels. Then you've got your other ones that show you some serious stuff and some sort of, you know, da-da-da. And then you've got, like, Women's Day and these magazines or whatever they are that are just, you know, apparently Harry and Megan have split up and they've... Harry cut his finger and he's got Martian DNA or something. Like, it's all there. It must be true. It's in the magazines. You know? And I feel like this message we have is indifferent. And I I scratch my head and go, when did this message become indifferent? When, When could we speak of the cross? At what point did this story of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus become something that was just an indifferent message? It doesn't really matter either way. It's not good, it's not bad, it's just whatever. Yeah, Paul's here saying, you know what, I'm not ashamed of this message because it's not just words. This story of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you now, it's in here, it's recorded. As a matter of fact, if you, you want to go and, and talk about historical documents, the original parchments of the, the, the um the, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You go back and you look at some of this stuff. Um, um, historians will tell you some of these documents are the most accurate, uh, longest-lasting historical documents in the world. But because we put them in a book and we give them the religious title Bible, they lose all their authenticity to 99% of the general public that don't know it. Archaeology, you know, finding things out there, cities and stuff at the moment. That, I mean, they were written thousands of years ago in here and 100 years ago they said it doesn't exist, it's a fallacy. Now they're finding things. Going, oh, hang on a second, maybe that city really is there. There's so much evidence 
for what this book talks about and the thread and the story from beginning to end. And the story is this, that God so loves all of us. But he, 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 he had a standard and we blew it. And we fell short and we came crashing down to earth. But he loved us so much that he was stuck in a pickle. He's got this justice side and he's got this mercy side. And the justice side of God is this, the wages of sin is death. And if you break the law, there has to be a punishment. Law without punishment is simply good advice. Anyone notice that at home? You tell your kids, clean your room or, or this, clean your room, or you're not going to sport, whatever, but then they don't clean their room and they still go to sport. And all of a sudden, it wasn't a rule or law. It's just good advice. And what, can, what do you do with good advice? Take it or leave it. It's just advice. God, God's not handing out advice to us humans. He said, no, no, this is the way that you do life most productively on planet Earth. This is the way you all get on. This is the way you make it work. This is the way you be successful. This is the way you have harmony. This is the way that you bring what I originally intended, heaven, down here to earth. And we blew it. We did our own thing. We went our own way. And so God's got to uphold the justice. But you know what? He looks down at each of us and he goes, you know what? You deserve punishment and death. But Bev and Polly, I so love Bevan. I'm madly in love with that guy. And, 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 he sh- and I should be because I made him in the first place. Not only did I make him, I determined when he was going to be born and where he was going to do it. I determined all that. I got a plan and a purpose. Matter of fact, Bevan Polly was custom built because the Bible says that we were created for good works which God prepared in advance. In other words, the, the works were prepared first. Okay, I've got to dig a hole. Now I need something to dig a hole. I need a shovel. So I'm going to make a shovel. So the shovel is created, purpose built, custom. Ever think about that? You are custom built. Custom built. Anyone ever own anything that was custom built? You put custom build on something, it's worth more. It's got more value. It's more expensive. You know? Custom built. You are custom built, designed for a purpose. Of course God's madly in love with you. And I'm not talking about some mushy love. Oh, give me goosebumps. You complete me. I'm talking about a love where he would stand in front of you and take a bullet for you. That's love. Greater love has no man than the... No, no, greater love has no... Um, what's the word? Greater love has no... What's the word? I'm having blanks today. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for another. He took a bullet for you, Bevan. So God looks down and goes, Bevan, you failed, you've blown it, you deserve punishment, but I so love you, I custom made you, I'm going to take a bullet for you. I'll die so you can live. And that's the whole Jesus story. God comes to earth as a man, walks about, has a very... Jesus' message was actually very simple. It was this. You'll never be good enough for God. Stop trying. Put your faith in me. Stop striving. Stop being religious. Put your faith in me. Trust me. Trust me. And they took Jesus and they crucified him. Because particularly religious people don't like that. Religious people like to feel like we've earned it. Guess what, mate? You can't earn it. You can't earn it. Relax. Stop trying. Accept the grace of God. Accept the grace of God. And so Jesus dies on the cross. And God upholds his justice side because all of a sudden there's been a penalty for what you've done wrong. But he also upholds his mercy because it wasn't you. It wasn't you, Bevan. So you can stand clean and right before God. God looks down upon you with loving kindness and mercy today. Not because of what we did, but because of Jesus. People, that's our message. That's what Paul's saying, hey, I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not ashamed of this message because I know it's this message alone that will transform 
society. This message alone will transform a human heart, a family, a community. It's this message alone that will change the world. It's this message alone. That's the starting point of reformation. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't allow the times and the seasons that you are in and the culture that you are in and what is talked about around the water cooler at work or in the schoolyard or what is being put on the news or what is being written in the magazines. Don't allow that to slowly place a blanket of shame over you so that we no longer stand tall. Because we have the greatest, most powerful message that the world has ever heard. And unfortunately, many of the world has at this stage not heard. And more and more in our own culture, people are hearing it less and less because of this blanket of shame. Let's make a decision today that we're not going to be the people that come under that blanket of shame. Let's stand with Paul and let's say, you know what, I am not ashamed of this message. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. How could I be? If it wasn't for that message, if it wasn't for that moment in history, I wouldn't be the person I am. I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have the chance that I have. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, because it is the power of God for salvation for anyone, anyone who would choose to take that step of faith and believe it. Amen. Amen. Let's just close our eyes for a second, bow your heads. <laughs> Not going to push this. But I just, I'm being impressed more and more by God that, you know, I've got this God up there in heaven and I say to God, God, would you use your power in heaven to bring things down here to earth that I desire? You know what I feel like God keeps whispering back to me? I'll do that. But Alan, would you use the power you have down there on earth to bring up to heaven that which I I desire? And that is the hearts and the passion of people. I'm only going to ask once, I'm not going to labour on If you're here this morning and you have never opened your heart up and you've never said, Lord, come on in, forgive me for the mistakes, the things I've done, I'm going to take that step of faith, open myself up, and I'm going to say, God, reveal yourself to me, show yourself to me. If you've never done that, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand in the air, just put it up, bring it straight back down, don't have to hold up for long. I'm not going to labour, I'm not going to make you stand up, I'm not going to ask you to come out the front, I'm not going to tell anybody. Thank you, saw that hand, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? fantastic. That's awesome. I'm going to just pray a simple little prayer. If you could all pray it with me right now, that'd be great. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Thank you for your love for me. Lord, today I open my heart. I ask you to forgive me for where I've fallen short. Father, I ask you to transform my life. Change me. Fill me with your spirit. And take me on with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Hey, let me, just, let me just say this to the person that raised their hand. If you listen really closely, the Bible says that when somebody does what you just did, the Bible actually says that they throw a party in heaven. It's in the Bible. I'm not making it up. Maybe someone, maybe you can go home and, and look it up. But it says that when you, when you open your heart up to Christ, it says there's, a, there's one hell of a party. Well, it shouldn't use one hell of a, it's a bad word. But there's a massive, that's the slip of the tongue there. Edit that one, Luke. 
The Bible says that there is a huge, huge party that erupts up there in heaven when you do. So let's let them hear that sound, shall we? Those of you that know God this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Right, yeah. well, Father, I just want to thank you for this morning, God. I thank you, Lord, that, uh, uh, God, this message that we carry, it's not a story. It's not a fable. It's not a philosophy, God. Father, it is literally the power of God. What you did on the cross was, was revealed to the world how powerful you are and how much you love us. And how you are really for us and you are not against us. You are not waiting to bash us with a hammer when we make mistakes, God. You are looking for ways and means to pour out love and blessing upon us because you care for us, Father. So, God, I pray, Lord, for, uh, for uh, Lord, that person this morning that raised their hand, Lord, just what they prayed today, I pray you would seal it in their heart. And I pray, Holy Spirit, water that seed right now. Bring it to fruition. And, God, I look forward to seeing the plans and purposes in that person's life unfold, Lord, as they grow in you. And, God, for the rest of us, I pray, Lord, as we go out to work and to school and everything this week, Lord, I pray that our mantra, our motto this week would be, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not going to come under the blanket of shame. I'm not going to be quiet. I'm not going to back down, Lord. The rest of the world is not backing down. Every other messenger is not backing down. Every other faith is not backing down. But for some reason, we go quiet and we go to water and we back down. But Lord, I pray that each person here, we would begin to stand up again and declare, I'm not ashamed. This is the reality, whether you like it or not. This is what's happened in my life. This is how I was transformed. This is what Jesus has done on the cross for mankind. So, Father, I pray let that come through this week. Let a fresh boldness, God, rise up on the inside of each of us in Jesus' name. And, Father, in the next seven days as we go from here, God, give every single one of us that know you the opportunity to tell somebody out there how good you are, God, someone that doesn't yet know that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen Amen and amen. Good stuff. Right, yeah, let's see how short that awkward pause bit is between when I finish and Luke gets the music going. But uh, thank you for coming along to Arise this morning. Uh, if you did put your hand up, or even if you didn't put your hand up, but maybe you got some questions, I'm, I'm happy to have a chat with you, or maybe you came with someone that, that you're more comfortable with. They'll be able to answer some questions, have a chat with you, pray with you. Uh, don't feel like you've got to run. There's no morning tea there, and there's more tea and coffee and stuff. We'll hang around for a bit. So uh, if we don't see you before, we'll see you again next weekend.